Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I'm fine. My voice sounds a little hoarse. I'm so happy to be with you live. No encore today. Um, Blessed be God forever. You know, uh, I was thinking this morning that we keep reading articles and announcing things that are in the news that you yourselves can get. And um, I keep saying that through all of this, which is getting worse, it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. Uh, totalitarianism is, is the agenda for the government, for the world, and even for the church, within the church, not the, the church of Christ, which the gates of hell will not prevail against, but those within the church. It was... Um, Bishop Sheen, who said once, there's not a hundred people who hate the Catholic Church, but millions who hate what they mistakenly think the Catholic Church teaches. Well, those that spoke by Bishop Fulton Sheen outside the church, it is now inside the church. Bishops, priests are teaching errors, error cardinals all over the place. So how do we know the truth? Uh, we're not victims of our priests or our bishops. Blessed be God for good priests and bishops and cardinals. Blessed be God for them. But um, uh, they are falling left and right. And why they are doing so, whether they never had the faith, whether they were false to begin with, um, whether they were one of Bella Dodd's communists who came into the church uh, falsely, all of that, who knows? We can find out individually sometimes, but it doesn't matter. We shouldn't waste our time and all that. We are adults. We can read. We can write. Those of us who cannot read or write can be read too. Um, And we need to know our faith. We are responsible to know our faith, and we, dear parents, are responsible to give the faith to our children. If you depend upon the schools or the church, and your children do not know the faith and are not raised in the faith, not by necessarily what you say and teach, but by the example of your lives, if your children do not know what it truly means to be Catholic, the only fault is yours. Yes, the environment you grow up in has some factor. But if you take the example of our beloved Bishop Athanasius Snyder, who grew up under an evil regime, under communism, no priest, no daily mass, and look at the prince of the church he is today. Um, I grew up in a Jewish home in an area of Brooklyn where the Jews were persecuted, beaten. Uh, My brother was beaten. Um, we were ostracized in many ways, and yet that made us strong. That made us know who we were. We had the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, like every Catholic has. Um, We knew who we were. We knew we were God's people. If the rest of the world came against us, well, they just didn't understand, and we had uh, such a, a grace from God. I didn't know the word grace then, but I felt it. Why was I born 
from Jewish blood, and why did we know the true God? I didn't know who the rest of the world had. That's just straight ignorance on our part. But there's only one God. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, who came to earth to die for the sins that separate us from God, to rise from the dead, to give life to all who would believe in him. Do all have eternal life? No. Is anyone excluded from the sacrifice of his death and salvation? No. That means everybody is saved? No. It means all who believe are saved. And how do you know if you believe? If you live. John chapter 3 says, those who believe have eternal life. Those who do not obey uh, will not see life and the wrath of God abides on them. And in the original Greek language there, belief and obey is the same word. It is the faith, it is the um, it is the obedience of faith, Apostle Paul says. If we say we believe and we don't obey, then we don't believe. And your life shows others, but most importantly, you, whether or not you truly believe. There's no other way to heaven but by obedience to Christ, and not a external obedience, but a heart that's been transformed, that wants to obey above all things, despite all the temptations of the world. So we are faced with economic difficulty, which is going to get worse, food shortages, which are going to get which are going to get worse. I've even read that I'm I, I my goodness. Um, let me just say this because I can't cite the source right now. Uh, it's very frightening, but the fact is that um, the evil government out there um, is going to get COVID into us one way or another, either by putting it into our water. Or now, the CDC has come out with a um, plan that children, six months old and over, all children, where normally there were certain vaccines uh, required for all children, measles and polio and all of that, the COVID is going to be added to that. You have not to obey this. Do not allow your child or anyone on earth to take that COVID vaccine. And if you've already had it, don't take a booster. Turn from it. So we are evil. You do not have to obey evil, but you will be persecuted if you don't. So find a way, dear ones. Get some land if you can. Grow food. Uh, find out a water supply. People are purchasing rain catchers all over the place. Um, and then purifiers to purify that water. Do what you can to protect your children and your family physically. But there's nothing more important, nothing more important than your family knowing who they are. Not just knowing their catechism lesson, but identity. What kept us strong, and I want to tell you we were separated as children. It didn't matter. And we were in the world, a world that came against us. But we knew who we were, identity. We knew who we were. We were Jewish. We were God's people. And what we did reflected on our family, on the Jewish people throughout the world, and on the God we claimed to um, um, 
worship. We knew who we were, and that's what you have to instill in your children. Not, not a, well, we're Catholic and we go to church. That's good. But it's not enough. It has to be their very, very, very identity. And if it is your identity, you will pass that on to your children by example. If you don't speak or say anything at home that is against the true faith, don't criticize priests at home around the dinner table with your children. Don't do that. Teach them the faith. Oh, there's so much here. If you don't live the faith, your children won't get it, no matter what you teach them. If you don't pray at home, forget prayer. If you take time to pray at home, gather the children for the rosary every single night no less than one decade. If they're little ones and they're restless, pray a decade. Begin. Get a prayer table in your house. Come together as a family. If you're all over the place with ballet lessons and piano lessons and music lessons and other lessons and sports and all that, these are good things. But if the faith doesn't come first, you are going to Destroy. You're going to leave your children open to the snares of the devil and the evils of the world. You must come together. The family must be more important. And the faith of the family, as Bishop Snyder says, begins with the milk of the mother. That faith must be lived above all else. And everything, sports, music, everything must be fed into that faith. If you're Catholic and let your children listen to metal music and other kind of stuff, you're not Catholic. You're not Catholic. Everything needs to be Catholic. Everything needs to express truth and beauty. Does it have to be strictly Catholic music? I'm going to say yes. But classical music, beauty is Catholic. All beauty is Catholic. All truth is Catholic no matter where you find it. So you could have other religions. God has not willed them. God has willed nothing. But the Jewish people, whom he formed for himself, through whom he would bring the Messiah to bring salvation to the whole world, which is Catholicism, universal Judaism fulfilled in its Messiah. That is what the Catholic Church is. God has willed nothing else absolutely nothing else. Is, are there, is there truth in other places? Yes, yes, yes. In Protestantism, in um, uh, Judaism, apart from the Messiah, uh, in other religions, is there truth? Yes, because God has placed the knowledge of himself within every heart. But it is the, is it, are any of them the religion God has given? No. Judaism, outside of its Messiah, God gave. But it doesn't exist anymore. Jesus said, I didn't come to um, abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And to be a faithful Jew apart from Christ is to have abandoned or not yet entered into the fulfillment of Judaism, which is through the Messiah in the Catholic Church. That's it. I'm sorry if you're offended. I used to be offended too. It took years of my life for God to open my heart. We'll be right back. 
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions on Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitely no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrines such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are all the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity did not rid unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such divisions prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. Thirdly, the golden twins, sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, beliefs, and doctrines. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. If you were listening to the break and that challenge question, is the Bible sufficient? And the gentleman said, absolutely not, and he's right. It is infallible. It is, uh, came from the Catholic Church. Uh, Martin Luther himself said, if it weren't for the Catholic Church, we wouldn't have the scriptures. Um, and yet he eliminated seven-plus books single-handedly that had been in uh, since the canons were put together. Um, but I could think of others. Um, the word incarnation is not in Scripture. The word trinity is not in Scripture. The word purgatory is not in Scripture, and yet the doctrines are in Scripture, which is how we come to them, that God became flesh. But those words in clarity um, are not in Scripture, and yet we, it was the men of the church councils, the Catholic bishops and popes who put those doctrines together in the early councils. There were no Protestants then until the 16th century. So, um, and, and the Bible doesn't tell you what the Bible is. You wouldn't know what the Bible is. The book of Revelation says, whoever adds to this book is accursed. But the fact is, the whole Bible was added to the book, or at least the book was added to the Bible. Don't add to the book of Revelation. But there's many books of the Bible. And so that's not the complete revelation. And the Bible wasn't together when that was written. And so um, it, it, it simply, you can have a great 
degree of faith, but you can simply have common sense as well. Um, the Bible does not say it is the only authority. It says it's authoritative, profitable for growth and all of that, transforming our lives and for salvation, but not the only thing needed. It does never say, never, never claims. The Bible does not say, ask Jesus into your heart. There's a lot of things that Protestants live by, but it's not in the Bible. So um, does that make the Bible invalid? Absolutely not. Or, again, but the, the church doesn't come from the Bible. The Bible comes from the church, from the first century apostles who were the church and wrote the scriptures, the prophets of old and the apostles of new, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and with the death of the last apostle, Revelation ceased, absolutely ceased. And you can go into Protestant churches and hear all kinds of things, good theology that's not in the Bible because it was all developed, not invented, but developed, understood from Scripture, from tradition, from the first centuries on, including um, everything about the Blessed Mother. So what am, I want to, what am I wanting to say today, dear ones? If you want to be up on everything that's going on, subscribe, listen to um, the news broadcasts of uh, the Station of the Cross, but subscribe as well to LifeSite News. I do that. They have, I don't know how many different versions of LifeSite News. They have a Catholic version. They have a worldwide version. They have a U.S. version, a Canadian version. I don't know how many versions. They have a lot. Subscribe to all of them or to the, I think I've got three of them. I have the Catholic version, I have the worldwide, and I forget what else, at least three. Um, and it come into my box every day. And that's sufficient for me. Because it's not, they are the largest pro-life website in existence. But it's not, I want to say it's not just pro-life, which is wrong of me. It's all pro-life. It's all, it's everything that affects the Catholic faith, which includes politics, which includes lockdowns uh, by government, which includes new evil prime ministers. It includes everything. It includes everything. It's all life. And it's all through a Catholic perspective. And I, for one, beloved, LifeSite News had not, has not asked me to say this to you, neither has uh, Station of the Cross. But I tell you, I don't have the time to subscribe to so many Catholic news reports. That's the one. It's the only one I go to every single day. And I'm going to suggest you go to it. LifeSite News, one word, LifeSite, S-I-T-E, news.com. I'm doing a commercial for them. It's not a commercial. It's straight from my heart. Subscribe to them, and you will get anything I would ever transfer to you, because that's where it all is. Magnificent interviews with Bishop Athanasius Snyder, letters from Archbishop Maria Vigano, uh, interviews with Cardinal Mueller, which those three are utter princes of the church. What's happening with Cardinal Zen, who's been utterly betrayed by the Pope and the church. Um, what's happening with the Pope. Uh, new uh, teachings he comes out with, whether they're false or not. It, everything is there. New atrocities for the Great Reset. 
everything is there uh, every day. And so um, I can't recommend it highly enough. I haven't found anything better and more balanced and more truthful and to keep us up to date on everything we have to know. And every single article relates to pro-life because to be Catholic is to be pro-life, to be pro-him, him who is life himself. So I say that from now on, with exception, some exceptions, I keep doing this. We start back in the catechism, then I make a couple exceptions, and we continue with exceptions. I'm sorry for that. But we've been looking at this is the faith. Um, but I, I, I'm going to go back to something we started a long time ago. I'm going to start a study, um, even here in Tyler, um, with the catechism explained, because... It is the best. It's the Council of Trent. It doesn't come against Vatican II. Vatican II was not a doctrinal council. It was pastoral. And so it doesn't fight Vatican II. Nothing in Vatican II is going to fight. Nothing of the documents. Forget the spirit. Forget documents that came out since. Forget all the changes. But the documents of Vatican II, nothing goes against, nothing goes against the Council of Trent. It's doctrinal. And everything the Catholic Church teaches is in the Council of Trent and cannot be changed, no matter what anybody says. It cannot be changed. Uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder said doctrine is not, or the, the Mass, is not the private property of a Pope or anyone else in the Church. Um, the Pope, the cardinals, the bishops are guardians of the faith, not inventors, not changers. They don't have any power to change the faith um, once delivered to the saints. They have no power to do that. They have no authority to do that. It cannot happen. So if you get confused by things that are being taught left and right, simply go to the Council of Trent. And no, you can even go to the current catechism. That's okay. You can believe that. That's fine. It will give you what to believe. But the catechism explained, recommended by Father Chad Ripiger, um, as the best, because it is not just the Council of Trent, it is explained. The Council of Trent might be that thick. The, the, account, the catechism explained is that thick. It has the explanation for everything. And I think it's, I, I think it's my opinion, because I've, I've been through it. It is the Baltimore Catechism, basically, on that style, Q&A, but explained. And it's the best way, I think, for us to learn the faith. So soon in Tyler, I'm going to be teaching that uh, to whoever wants to come. And um, uh, I won't announce exactly where and when yet until it's, uh, it's said, but um, uh, it's going to be very soon. Um, and I would suggest that everyone get uh, a copy of the Catechism Explained. Um, it's soft cover. I think it's published by Meatrix Press. I know it's $32 on Amazon. I don't know. I, you know I, I, I want you to go instead to Mediatrix Press. We need to begin to uh, stay away from Amazon because like the other conglomerates, they are part of this great reset and um, it'd be good for us not to support them. 
but you can get the catechism explained many, many places. So um, I would love to get it at a discount and offer it to everybody at a discount, but we just don't have a number of sisters and the resources to do that right now. We're still settling in. We're not yet unpacked here in Tyler. We're gradually unpacking. Um, we're still walking in mud. We need to put down mulch and a sidewalk and we're out in the country, all of that. So we need to, you know, eventually uh, begin to do all that. So we, we can't do it yet. So we can't take on every project we wish. Um, but if you want to follow along with us, go ahead and order the Catechism Explained. If you already have it, I'm actually going to begin on the radio program tomorrow. Um, you can listen along. In fact, I went to Amazon, excuse me, but I went to Amazon and I have it on Kindle. And if you have it on, it's $8 on Kindle, you can get it on your computer. And that's what I've done. So I can the type, uh, I can't read it from the book to you, it's just a little small for my eyes, but I can get it on Kindle and read it on my computer. Now, how long we'll continue to have electricity to do that? I don't know. How, how long everything won't be hacked and we won't be able to have all that? I don't know. But that is why it's so important to learn our faith now. No matter what you do in life, every single day, especially parents, do not spend more time on, on meals and, well, meals is essential, are essential, house and other things than you spend on the faith. So I would say an absolute minimum of an hour a day with your, with your family, praying the rosary, and going through the faith and praying together for everyone, everyone's salvation, those who are sick, and pray for your priests, pray for bishops, uh, say rosaries for all those who go astray. Uh, teach your children to truly, truly, truly be Catholic. And you say, where am I going to find an hour a day? I can't keep the house clean. Teaching your children the faith is more important than keeping the house clean. Um, five-year-olds can dust and clean up and sweep. Five-year-olds can do that. Four-year-olds can do that. We did it as children. They can do it. Are they going to do as well as you, Mom? No. Uh, may your, would your husband do it as well as you? No. Maybe he'll do it better than you. I don't know. But that's not going to suffice for eternal salvation. Knowing the faith will suffice. Will not suffice. Knowing it and living it knowing it and living it. Get your children out of public schools and get them out of every Catholic school that is not teaching the faith or any Catholic school that will not allow you to see the curriculum that it's teaching that your children. And if they have sex ed, you need to omit your child from that class. And if they will not allow that, then you take your child out of school. And you say, what am I going to do with them? What am I going to do with them? I don't know what I'm going to do with them. Find a place to put them. Find other homeschooling co-ops. Start a homeschooling co-op. Take them to work with you. Do what you can. Um, but don't corrupt them. Better they don't learn English and math and history and be destroyed in their faith. Better they know their faith, beloved. Uh, what did the world do before the printing press, before they could read? 
teach them the faith by living it at home. I worked in pro baseball for a long time, and we play on Sundays. And it was an easy excuse. I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. Got caught up on that whole selfishness, that whole, you know, um, I can do it all. The times when I was struggling were the times I needed God the most. And now that uh, I've come back and accepted God, my world has completely changed. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for October 24th. Today we celebrate St. Anthony Mary Claret. Born in Spain in 1807, young Antonio learned his father's trade of weaving, as well as printing and Latin, all before studying for the priesthood. Ordained at 28, he went on to become one of Spain's most popular preachers. At 42, Anthony founded a religious institute of missionaries, known popularly as the Claritians. Appointed to head the much-neglected Archdiocese of Santiago, Cuba, he began its reform by almost ceaselessly preaching and hearing confessions. He incurred widespread opposition for preaching against unmarried persons living together and for giving instructions to black slaves. When a hired assassin slashed his face and wrist, Anthony responded by getting the would-be assassin's death sentence commuted to a prison term. All his life, Anthony was interested in the Catholic press. Residing with the Spanish colony in France, he founded the Religious Publishing House, a major publishing venture, and wrote or published 200 books and pamphlets. A staunch defender of the doctrine of papal infallibility at Vatican I, he died in 1870 and was canonized in 1950. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family. This is our half hour all together. Our lines are wide open. And you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. The matter of the heart is, uh, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart, I often say. Um, and whatever, it doesn't have to be what we're speaking about. Our toll-free number uh, to call or text is one 511 5483 or email at mother at Let me see who is next here. Hold on now. We have um, an email, a text actually, from uh, someone who writes in anonymously and says, when Jesus said, this is my body, quote, this is my body, end quote, praise his name, did he mean he was the whole universe, along with the fact that his body was about to be broken? Absolutely not. When Jesus said, this is my body, he was at the Last Supper with his disciples. That was the Passover. And they had the bread of affliction from Exodus chapter 12. It's called the bread of affliction, the unleavened bread, the matzah, on the Passover table. And Jesus took that bread, again called the bread of affliction, at the Last Supper. 
that unleavened bread, held it in his hands, and said, This bread is my body. Now, when God created the world, he said, Let there be light, and there was. He creates by his word. When he said, This is my body, bread obeyed and became his body. When he stilled the waves of the ocean, be still, they were still. When he said to bread, this is my body, bread obeyed and became his body. In his hand, St. Augustine said, our Lord, this is the first mass, our Lord held himself in his own hand. This is my body. And he picked up the chalice and said, this is my blood. And wine became his blood. He referred to nothing else, not the universe, not anything else, but the body and blood that he would give us, which he spoke about in John chapter 6, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. He said to his disciples, I will be with you always till the end of the world. And he is in his body and blood that becomes his body and blood at every mass when the priest at the altar picks up mere wheat and water, a round little wafer, a cracker, and says over the cracker, this is my body. When the priest does that, if we could see with our eyes what our faith understands, we wouldn't see the priest because in a sense he doesn't exist at that point. Christ is the high priest who through the instrumentality of the human instrument, the priest, says this is my body. And as at the Last Supper, bread obeys and becomes God. The same thing when he says, this is my blood. It is Christ who says, through the priest, this is my body, this is my blood, and bread and wine become his body and blood. And when we consume his body and his blood, we are consuming the whole Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. That is the Mass. That is the Eucharist. He meant nothing else. And to receive him is to receive eternal life. Peter from Fredonia, New York, is on the line. Hi, Peter. Hello, Mother Miriam. Hi, sweetheart. Uh, a question I have for you is, is there any procedure defined or uh, uh, written down to remove a pope from office? Now, let me explain my question. My understanding is that a pope is a, is, is pontiff for life. Mm -hmm. What so. happens if someone has a fall or a brain aneurysm and is brain dead? Oh, wow. It's, it's I don't know what canon laws... Go ahead, Peter, I'm sorry. I, I don't know, you know, those are the kind of situations physicians have to deal with. Uh, at times, explaining things to a family that, you know, the, the person that you knew at one time is, his heart, his or her heart still beats, but that person is not there. Uh, and I was curious what the, what the church would think of, of such a situation. Well, uh, Peter, I just don't know. I have never looked that up. I don't know what canon law might say about that. 
I think if a pope were declared brain dead, a new pope would be elected. I think, but I don't know. Um, I just don't know the answer to that. But again, if, if someone is brain dead, um, you know, it's one thing if they're in a coma or they could revive. But if they're truly brain dead, I don't know if there's a possibility of, of revival or not. So I, I don't know the answer to that, dear one. Um, I would go to Catholic.com to, to look that up myself if they've even dealt with that. Um, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know, Peter. Again, if he were physically disabled in other ways, um, I don't know. Even if someone is brain dead, God could resuscitate them. There's nothing impossible for God. So I don't know what would happen in that case, dear one. But now you've made me curious, and if I could look it up during the next break, I will. Okay, okay dear one. Thank you. God bless you, honey. Um, we have an email from Santino. Dear Mother Miriam, I have a question. I've been thinking about Pope Francis, and I think others were wanting to do this too. But Pope Francis made it so that if you come from another denomination with a wife and want to become a Catholic priest, you can do so without divorcing your wife. I'm highly, highly against this and think that this is wrong. I just wanted to ask you your opinion on this. Thanks and God bless. Sincerely, Santino. To begin with, Santino, I've never heard such a thing. I know that those who were priests in the Anglican and Lutheran, high Lutheran denominations who have been married and come into the Catholic Church have been allowed to become priests. I know that. Um, but to begin with, uh, the Catholic Church would not allow divorce, so they wouldn't be divorced to become a priest. Uh, the Church believes if you're truly married in the sight of God, it's, it's forever, and you would remain married. Um, and so the issue with um, Anglican and Lutheran priests who are priests before they come into the Church, even if they're married with children, uh, the Church has allowed them to become priests. Um, not a matter of our agreement or not, the Church has allowed that. Uh, Pope Benedict established the Anglican Ordinariate um, specifically, and I don't know what Ordinariate or other category Lutheran, high Lutheran men fall into if they become priests, but um, the Church would never advocate or allow divorce, ever. Um, and so I don't know, Santino, I think I need a reference of Pope Francis saying that if you come from any other denomination with a wife and want to become a Catholic priest, you can. You can. Um, I haven't heard such a thing. I'm not aware of it, Santino. I don't think it's true. Um, but so look it up, dear one, and, and write it again uh, with the reference and and I can look it up as well. We have an email from Erica, and she writes, Greetings, Mother Miriam. I listen to your show daily, and I'm so grateful to have found you. Thank you, Erica. She says, I'm a single mother of a seven-year-old little girl named Callie. 
Last week, I received a bulletin from her school regarding next month's lessons, which include LGBTQ history. I'm very concerned for my daughter and what is being taught in her school. Yes, well, you should be. I'm amazed. They even sent the lessons home. The school that she attends is a charter school, so I assumed it would be different. Parents never, ever assume anything. Never, never assume anything, even if you take them to a private Latin mass school. Never assume. She said, but boy, was I wrong. They are all the same. That's not so. Some charter schools are very good and are more moral, but not necessarily because they're a charter school, should you assume that. Erica writes, I have told my daughter some things regarding gender, and she is aware that there are only two genders. I don't know what I can do regarding this. Do you think that I should say something to the principal? I do not agree with the evil agenda that is being taught all over the country, indoctrinating our children. It makes me feel angry and helpless. Please help. Thank you, Erica. Erica, you can be angry at sin, but you are not helpless. You need to speak to the teacher, number one, and and say to her, I don't want my child part of that class. And if the teacher says, well, they don't have departmentalization, I teach them everything, well, then she cannot be in that class. Well, if she can't be in that class, she can't be in the school. Well, then she can't be in the school. Well, what am I going to do? You take her out. You're a single parent, find other parents. Find homeschooling co-ops, as I said. Find a private school that doesn't teach such evil. You are not helpless, and you must not allow your seven-year-old to continue under that teaching. You must not. You are responsible for it, not the school, not the teacher. First talk to the teacher, and then tell the teacher you're going to go to the principal and see if there's a solution for your child remaining in school without that teaching. But the fact is, all the children are being taught, and it's going to be the conversation. It's going to be the mood of the school. Some children are going to be come out, so to speak, and I think you need to remove your little daughter, no matter what it takes for you to remove her, no matter what. We have an email from James who writes, Thank you so much for your dedication to the Catholic faith and the salvation of souls. Here's my question. What are the means of grace instituted by God How can we best open up ourselves up to receive God's grace? And what are the things that would hinder this grace? Full sheen ahead. How funny. Full sheen ahead. You must be listening to uh, Terry and Jesse. Um, Full sheen ahead. That's Bishop Fulton Sheen. God love you, James from New Jersey. James, you're asking the means of grace instituted by God. That's the definition of a sacrament. A sacrament. Um, is the invisible means instituted by God to give grace. Invisible. It is the outward sign of an invisible grace instituted by God to give grace. So, um, you know, the baptism is, is a means of grace. It's the means of our becoming children of God, of our separating ourselves, our being separated by the grace of God from original sin, of his life being poured into us. That baptism, number one. And every other sacrament comes from baptism. 
confirmation uh, at which a child uh, has the full means of grace that began at baptism, where the faith is no longer just the parent's faith, but now the child's faith, and he becomes a soldier of Christ and receives the full measure of the gifts of the Holy Spirit so that he is now responsible for his faith. Um, And then there is marriage, as you know, or confession. I, I shouldn't skip that. Outside of baptism, nothing's more important than confession, which restores the soul to grace if that soul has been Um, separated from grace by mortal sin. There's marriage, um, which couples give one another that grace of the sacrament of marriage. And there's the sacrament of extreme unction or last rites, which restore, which has the possibility of uh, forgiving all sins and um, uh, getting one to to heaven. Oh, uh, and the Eucharist of all things, food for the journey, viaticum. Every one of those are our principal means of grace. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That verse shattered me. I stopped everyone on the street, Jim. I said, excuse me, you know there's a God. You know you can know him. I wanted a ladder tall enough to reach the moon to tell the world that there's a Savior. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church would be okay if it weren't for all the rituals? Why do people complain about rituals in the church? They don't complain about the rituals that fill the rest of their daily lives. They shake hands, they sign their names, they put candles on birthday cakes, they give each other flowers, they put on fancy weddings and somber funerals. Those are all rituals. They are symbols. They are simple ways of representing complex ideas. G.K. Chesterton says, Ritual is a need of the human soul. In fact, it's a need of the human body, like exercise. Destroy your impressive ceremony, and all you get in return is unimpressive ceremony. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. 
to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. We have 10 minutes. That's plenty of time for anyone to call in with anything on your heart. Our lines are wide open. And the toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483. Or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Just before the break, we took an email from James who asked what the means of grace uh, are. Um, and so they are all the sacraments primarily. Um, there are sacramentals that also convey grace. Anytime we obey God, prayer, open our hearts to God, um, we receive the grace of God. If we walk with him, uh, it's only by his grace. We can do nothing. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do absolutely nothing. We live and breathe in the grace of God. And James says, what are the things that would hinder this grace? Sin, very simple, sin. The smallest venial, doesn't have to be a big mortal sin, doesn't have to be an average venial sin. The tiniest venial venial sin hinders grace. And you know what else will hinder grace? Apathy. If you just grow weak in your Catholic life, you're not really sinning, you're just kind of humdrum, you know, once in a while you skip Sunday, or maybe you don't skip Sunday, but you don't pray too much, and you're really caught up with a lot of the things in the world. You're not living in sin. You're living a moral life, but you're not walking with God. That will hinder you. You will grow lukewarm. And Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. So, um, you got to be cold or hot, and you got to be hot. So walk with God. Uh, you said full sheen ahead. Just follow Terry and Jesse. You'll be doing just fine. <laughs> we have a call from Bur- Kurt in Boston. Hi, Kurt. Hi, Mother Marion. How are Hi. you? Okay. Long time no speak. Yeah, I went to the Boston Men's March, and um, Good for there you. 500 of us there. Yay. And... Um, Basically, we had the LGBTQ following us the whole way down, blowing trombones, horns sticking out of their heads. And we had Father Jeff Fasheen there talking directly to them, you know. And um, I won't get into all of it. I, I was talking to Jim further on this. But, you know, the only thing that drowned them out was Antifa calling us Nazi scum. But mm-hmm. um, so as we're going down the street, of course, they're saying all types of nasty things about the Blessed Mother and, you know, waving to you with one finger. I won't get into the um, logistics of it. But so they started the rosary, and I said, now, let's go. We got to, I got to hear you. You know, so everyone's kind of quiet. So I, I think I said eight of the 15 decades, and I made sure I think all of Boston heard me, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I um, believe you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said it loud. I wonder if I was going to have a voice left. But I said, come on, let's let's do this like the spiritual Marine Corps that we are. So let's say it like we mean it. You know what I mean? And don't look at them. Just keep marching straight. And that's what we did. You know, we sung Good. the Salve Regina. There were Good. people seeing us, giving us the thumbs up, beeping the horns. Good. But there was people, you know, that were just totally against us. And Pray for them. Oh, we do. And, and we actually said it there. We said, because when Father Jeff Fasheen got up, and a lot of, oh, by the way, I saw Sister Deidre Byrne there. 
Okay. And she told me she met you. Yes. And uh, I said, well, if you see her, tell her, tell her Kurt from Boston you met him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, but no, the, the speakers were great. But like I say, the other side just wants to drown you out and you could see the rage in their face you know that's the same thing and, with the snake in the garden to drown out god's voice it's never been different there's nothing original with the devil but the one thing that was when father fashion was talking you know they were rattling and they were doing all sorts of things and he says look god came to save us all from sin and he says, and we're talking to you. We're here to pray for you. We all turned around and acknowledged that, held up our rosaries. So, you know, and it just enraged them more. Of course and, it would. You know, but the thing is, is like a, a couple of priests have asked me, you know, well, Kurt, you know, with, with, with your temperament, I go, well, guess what? I said, you know, they go, maybe you shouldn't have showed up. I says, well, I look at it this way. I have to put my temperament aside and leave it in God's hands because... There are people there that can't speak for themselves. So you have to speak for them. Kurt, you, mean, you, you are not capable of putting your temperament aside. I'm going to let you know that. <laughs> and God made you as you are. God bless you, Kurt. I better get on to other emails. You are a sweetheart. And thank you for your, um, your um, how do I say, soldier's heart. We're soldiers in Christ. And again, you know, hopefully keep praying, pray for all. We, we've got to pray for each other because we all need to smooth out the rough edges and there's nothing like being humiliated because they call you Nazi scum. So, but hey, it that doesn't bother. humiliate you. If they called no, that no, no, of no, our no, Lord, it would it humiliate him? It wouldn't humiliate him. He would, we just, they're blind. It doesn't humiliate us. Nothing anyone calls us makes us what we're not. Zero. If someone calls me that, I just say, you poor, poor soul. How did I receive the grace of God and not you? That's all. That's our response. I got to go. Kurt, I love you. Bye-bye, sweetheart. We have an email from Emma who writes, Hi, Mother Miriam. An older woman at my parish has two Biden-Harris Biden Harris bumper stickers on her car. Should my husband and I approach her after Mass with our toddler and start a conversation about voting and abortion, or should we let it be? I wouldn't approach her with your toddler, that's for sure. Um, our conscience bothers us when we see it, but we feel she has likely already been told anything we would say on the topic. Our priest gave a homily denouncing abortion weeks ago, but on that Sunday they were not at our parish, unfortunately. Thanks, Mother. Um, if you're going to approach her, um, you need to have a heart of love and you need to befriend her because it'll only be an, ar an argument. She'll simply come against you and I don't think you're going to get anywhere and certainly not to approach her with your toddler. Um, if, if you want to ever approach her and truly help a soul to be turned to sanity and to truth... Invite her to dinner. Say, you know, we've been seeing you at church. We've never met. We'd love to meet you. Maybe come to dinner one time or, you know, something like that. I, we'd love to get together with you. And if she says, well, why? Then you could be truthful. Say, well, we see the bumper on your car. We're curious about that. Uh, as a Catholic, how you support Biden and Harris. And, and we don't want to be closed to your views. And we'd love to dialogue with you. Just be honest. Um, that's what I would do. 
Um, uh, Raphael in Florida. Hi, dear one. Hey, Mother Miriam. How are you doing? We're good. We have about a minute left. I'm sorry, Raphael. Can we ask a quick question? Um, it's a little bit, it's just a lot of backstory. Do you think it might be better if I call back tomorrow or something like that? You could, or you could try just asking the main question and come, whatever, whatever you wish, Raphael. We have uh, a minute to um, the closing music, so completely up to you, sweetheart. A minute's a long time. Okay, well, basically right now is that um, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, and mm. I are still, you know, in that religion, and Basically, I'm an adult, but I'm still very young, and I can't switch to being a Catholic until I move out. And where I live, it's everything's very expensive, the housing and things like that. So I'm just wondering if you have any tips or things like that. With- yes, Raphael, because there's the closing music. And go ahead and call in tomorrow, and we'll talk longer. But um, how old are you? Um, do you think I could uh, keep that anonymous? I just, it's just important. Okay, are you over 18? That's all I'm asking. Um, Raphael, do not delay becoming Catholic. Do not delay becoming Catholic. You can still live in your parents' home. You can keep quiet, but don't delay becoming Catholic. And I'll tell you how. Call in tomorrow, but earlier in the program, dear one. Okay, God bless you.